Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Uh, today we have a special guest who's actually been on a podcast before. Reverend Stephen Harper from Simons Valley United Church is joining Reverend Robin King and myself over Zoom. And uh, so we can see each other on our screens. Of course, you're just hearing us. Uh, we're glad you're here listening to this conversation and really the idea behind uh, getting the three of us on the call again as uh well steven you reached out and uh, i'm so glad that you did because it's been it's been a while we you were on the podcast back in in april so welcome back i just missed you guys and i thought i i need to reach out <laughs> need to see your faces again yeah it's it's always fun when uh, when you either pop into basha or panoka and we get to see you and then of course through the pandemic that hasn't been happening um but we we're in always enjoy hopping on zoom so i'm glad you could carve out some time to join us today and robin thank you for being here today too thanks ben so as a kind of a starting off point i we've got a few things we're going to talk about today but um to just kind of let people know uh how we've been faring through this pandemic and how we're uh continuing on and and redefining how we're doing church how are things going down in simon's valley Stephen? I guess it depends on, you know, how you're going to define good or bad, or I guess how <laughs> I would define good or bad. But overall, I think, I think really good. Um, our, our folks are really kind of rolling with the ebbs and flows of, of the pandemic. I mean, people miss seeing each other for sure. We've been trying to create little safe events. Like over the summer, we were doing a, a parking lot gathering uh, once or twice a month, depending on on weather and you know that got people uh, around each other or near each other ish near ish each other and they got to talk and see your, them, their faces and and that helped but i mean you know the pandemic's been really difficult on on a lot of folks and um we're not we've decided not to open until the new year and even that will be a much smaller gathering because you know with social distancing our sanctuary will hold between 60 and 80, depending on the groups of people that come. Um, if every seat is used in the sanctuary as we have it now, we normally hold about 315 as far as seats, and that goes down to 80. And it won't really be 80 uh, because not every seat will be used. So it's probably going to be close to 50 or 60 um, congregants, and then the eight people that will be participating in the service. So. I'll let you know, and then we'll reevaluate how are things going with that. How about that? Yeah, so good for now. <laughs> tell us a little bit about Stephen that decision to to put off um, opening those doors in that modified capacity that you just described. But uh, you could be like theoretically, you could be doing that now. What? So why why January? A couple of reasons. Uh, the first is that you know, you know you may remember from the early spring that Calgary was you know really the epicenter for for a while with the number of cases that since kind of flipped to Edmonton. Um, sad for the Edmonton folks, and so we were a bit wary wary rather of you know what is the flu season going to look like in Calgary uh, because of you know the size of the city things can expand and change pretty quickly. And we didn't want to bring people back just to have us, you know, shut down again. We thought it might be better uh, psychologically if we just kind of set a date past that big part of the flu season where we think we can more accurately predict what might happen. 
-hmm. And so that was the first reason. The second reason is um, kind of our average Sunday is, is about 140 to 150 people. And so we thought, you know, which ones get to come? And, you know, for all of us in the church, uh, community is a big thing. And so if you only are allowing a portion of your community every week, does that take away from the experience? And there's many other things that do take away from the experience. But, but we thought, um, let's see what, what, the, what the flu season brings us and kind of make our assessment in January and, and go from there. Got it. So uh, we, as the Bachelor United Church and also the Pinocchio United Church, their council and our board met um, a little over a month ago, I guess. Hey, Robin. And we discussed all of the, the stuff that you guys are wrestling with and uh, a little bit different being in smaller congregations in rural communities. Um, we, we weren't necessarily wrestling with how are we going to decide who gets to come and who gets sent away. Um, we have, you know, fairly good sized sanctuaries where we felt confident that, you know, anybody who basically would feel comfortable to come will be able to, and mm-hmm. we'll have to modify the seating a little bit and be careful and follow all of the recommendations and guidelines from um, Alberta Health Services and from the United Church of Canada. And so we weighed all of that. Um, uh, so a little bit different, but it's, it's, it's very difficult when you're trying to create the best experience, worship experience and fellowship experience that you can for the congregation when there's just so many unknowns. You don't know who's going to want to come back, who's going to prefer to uh, continue participating from home on their couch with the live stream. Um, for different reasons, um, you're wanting to protect your community's most vulnerable people. And for most of us um, as United Churches and churches in general, you're, you're looking at, uh, you know, a lot of um, uh, senior citizens in the congregation that you want to keep safe. And, and so it was, uh, it's been difficult for, for us as well. Hey, Robin? Yeah, it's funny. When we, uh, when we talked about it um, and, and uh, taking into consideration some of the churches in the communities that are around us, and, and that was not helpful, to be honest, because they were pretty evenly split. Some were going to have services. Some were going to stay closed until January. Um, but I remember hearing, uh, uh, I remember hearing the uh, pastor of one of the big evangelical places in Red Deer um, say that based on the seating limits uh, at the moment, they'd have to have a service every hour, uh, 24 hours a day for three days to cover his congregation. And and I thought once I got past the bragging, uh, once <laughs> what I thought about that was that actually it, that's a that's a good point. Except, um, you know, good stewardship says you're not expecting everyone in your congregation to come, right? You're expecting the people who are most vulnerable to stay home. Yeah. Um, and and others who might have concerns or issues around the whole thing might um, rather stay home and watch online. And the other thing that we encourage people to think about too is that uh, if you come, we're inviting you to sit in the building. Yeah. You have to socially distance or physically distance rather from other people. Um, you have to have a mask on. You can't participate. You're basically, uh, I, I think, Stephen, earlier you said you're, they're, they're like a studio audience that can't participate. <laughs> That's right. And, and, uh, but if you stay home, you can sit in your living room, in your comfy chair, in your jammies, drinking your coffee, and sing the hymns. You can respond to the prayers. Yep. Um, you can participate as fully as if you were at the church. But if you go to the church, you can't. 
you can you um, can even and, sneeze and not feel like people are going to shame you right and it's <laughs> yeah it's the it's the weird uh and and let me actually since you mentioned that ben let me let me just say by the way that we also uh we also recently had yard sales in both Pinocchio and Bashaw uh, because we we thought it was it was a it, it was a fundraising event that we could do that we could control right, right? um and and do it safely and uh the one worry of course going in was the same worry that we had about inviting people back into the building which was will people cooperate and they did they they really did cooperate we asked people to wear masks and they did we asked people to use sanitizer uh like coming and going and all over the place and and people did um they were really quite cooperative uh and uh and supportive of of doing that some people brought their own masks we handed out some um and and so people have actually been really good about it i gotta say though from from my perspective and and uh you know Stephen again it, our, our perspective is a little bit different uh, when you're the person standing at the front in front of an empty room yeah. and a camera versus yeah. there's people in the room suddenly. And like we, we always, uh, we, we've said, and Ben, you and I have talked about this before, I'm sure on a podcast is when we first went to online services in March, we realized all of the ways in which we were failing the online audience because we were simply geared to what was going on in the room. Yeah. And now here we are having geared everything to an online uh, congregation, we are suddenly finding ourselves with people sitting in the room. And, and, and I gotta say, from my perspective, having done two services now, one in each of Basha and Pinocchio, it's really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> because, because you kind of have to say to people, you're literally a studio audience. Um, please don't be offended if I ignore you and talk to the camera. Um, but, but you kind of have to. And yet they're sitting there, and yet they also have masks on, and they can't participate. So it's 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 kind of like um, uh, it's it's a little bit like I, I saw a, a friend of mine up here in Tofield, uh, Adam Hall, uh, posted uh, something on Facebook where he had a picture of his church from the front, and somebody had come in on Saturday, unbeknownst to him, and put photographs of people from the congregation in their spots, yeah. right where they would normally sit in the pews. Uh, and he was, he was really, and that's, that's such a, a, a beautiful thing that somebody did that for him. And he was really touched by it and everything that would totally freak me out. <laughs> it, it, it really kind of would because after like, what, what, how many months now since seven March, months? seven months of no one sitting there and talking to the camera, uh, suddenly there's faces and, and you're looking, you're looking for that response, right? Because just like when there used to be people in the room, um, you, you know you're reaching people because you can see facial expressions or they sure. say things or do things or, yeah. or you know, you're not and they fall asleep. Um, <laughs> but whatever it is, whatever it is, you've got some uh, interaction going. And here we are now, <laughs> seven months of no interaction, except frankly, me and, and, uh, and, and Lori and the dogs, because uh, we've, we've brought our dogs to church regularly. Um, they're the holiest dogs you've ever met. Uh, and, uh, suddenly there's people in the room, but they're not responding because yeah. you just told them not to. Right. Yeah. It's my, just weird. my ministry partner over the summer. So, um, I worked July and she worked August. We, that's kind of our typical thing as we take holidays and alternating and, and it was only us and one other person for those two months. 
So when, um, for the time that I was working in July, it was myself and then my wife would come in and, and help with some of the live stream and setting it up. And then Vicky, her husband helped her out and she is so clever. She brought in, so the, the first, um, weekend that she did it I'm, I'm thinking that she was experiencing that same thing you know really in an empty empty room not even av people to laugh at your jokes and so on the <laughs> second week she and chris brought in a laugh track it was hilarious and she told some <laughs> jokes and they queued up the laugh track it was great oh was, my goodness, oh my goodness. <laughs> that's awesome ben why don't i have a laugh track <laughs> make you feel like you're in an episode of friends or seinfeld yeah, or something seinfeld yeah yeah, yeah. somebody on oh, the base awesome. <laughs> yeah 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 it does it's you know I, I have to say that raises an interesting question because i i i know i said something about this on sunday what was it oh um we have uh because we've been online we have adjusted uh some things right to being online and one of the things that we've we've started doing is that we we try and close the service with a music video um, of a song that's uh, meaningful and relevant to the theme of the day, but but maybe a little bit uplifting or or questioning, right? Um, and uh, the song's gone out of my head now, but it was Hawk Nelson. Um, oh, yeah, it was. Thank God song. for something. Yeah, that's right. The mm. song is called "Thank God for Something." <laughs> Hawk so Nelson. Good. And when I when I uh, first saw that video on YouTube, uh, I don't even remember when now. Um, I scrolled down. Sometimes I like to scroll down and read the comments while the song's playing. And literally the first comment was somebody who said, um, Christianity's supposed to be fun. This song <laughs> reminds me that, that it's fun. There should be joy in Christianity. And and I thought, yeah, yeah, that's I, I absolutely agree with that. That's there yeah. should, but it does raise it, and this is a question that comes out of the the trying to broadcast a quote church service, unquote. Mm -hmm from an empty room is what's uh, what happens to the sense of sacredness in terms of the space what happens to the sense of sacredness in terms of the the formality of ritual what happens to the sacredness um, in terms of people's participation um, or not mm -hmm. right? so, so in, Robin, in those moments uh, we your your the first uh, service that you led you mentioned that you'd uh, done an in-person service in Pinocchio uh, two weeks ago and then Basha last week. Right. Uh, that first service, uh, having a few people back in the in the building in Pinocchio was also World Communion Sunday. So speaking mm -hmm. of uh, ritual, right, and ceremony, mm -hmm. right. Um, tell us what was what was it like having that first Sunday of having people there on top of all of the um, challenges and things that made it unique that you just already described but especially with it being World Communion Sunday, especially, how did that work? Super weird. Um, <laughs> it, in, in, but in so many ways, and this is, again, this, here's, this is part of the thing. Um, it's so hard to define uh, what a worship experience is supposed to be about or how it's supposed to be or how, it, uh, because people respond how they respond, right? And um, they, their sense of holiness isn't necessarily geared to the place, but it might be, it could be related to whether you sang a song or did a hymn, right? Things like that. Um, and, and, and of course the ritual um, that's involved there. And um, communion tends to be, particularly in Pinocchio, communion tends to be quite 
traditionally formal in the sense that um, they use uh, the trays of the little glasses and um, trays of bread, right? And you come up, we have people on the floor and and you come up you and you receive each and you know you go back to your seat that kind of thing and um, so we we tried uh we tried to do a combination of both well we tried to essentially what we did at easter uh which was we invited people to bring um to the online communion service that we had at easter to bring whatever you wish as your your bread and and juice or wine there were actually people who took pictures of stuff and sent them to me mm. and and somebody was quite adamant that they were having wine which is fine um but but it uh, uh we we invited people to do the same thing and so to bring stuff with them and they did and oh, cool. uh and but but again you know that's pinocchio's a big church uh and uh, there's a lot of room there and it seats like 340, 380, something like that. And there's 24 people there. And so there was lots of room. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, again, it was literally uh, the one moment in the hour in which there was any movement whatsoever um, or response uh, was when people actually took out their communion elements and uh, at that part of the service, right? Because the rest of the time we told them not to participate, um, uh, uh, either by singing or you know anything else. And and so it was a very, uh, it was a little bit surreal. Um, it, it was very, it, and it had kind of a weird. Um, hmm. I'm talking about a church service, and it was communion, and I'm saying it was weird. Um, but, but, you know, I grew up, I grew up in the, uh, high Anglican tradition Mm. and, uh, every week was Eucharist. You rarely had matins, um, every once in a while. Um, and, and it was quite formal and quite ceremonial, um, and, uh, very, uh, solemn. And, uh, here I am, uh, in Pinocchio United Church with 20 something people, each of whom brought their own thing. And so some people had like little juice boxes, some people had little jars of juice, somebody I'm pretty sure had coffee um, and and everything from crackers to a piece of bread. And uh, at the front, I think Lori and I had juice and uh, rice crackers, mm-hmm. right? Cause we were gluten-free um, and uh, it, it just the complete opposite. And yet, just as much sense of community, just as much yeah. sense of connection, right? Just as much sense uh, sense of, um, you know, the, the table of Jesus is open to all. And that includes, you can bring whatever you want for communion, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it almost made me, almost made me think, hey, even when we're quote unquote back to normal, we should do that then too. It, Just it invite really... people to bring whatever they want for yeah. communion again. Yeah. Strange circumstances that we find ourselves in as churches and as communities have really forced us to, or been sort of a catalyst to rethink what what should be the normal or what should we adopt and and uh, hold on to from some of these uh, changes that we didn't ask for, but maybe had so a silver lining or a little blessing um, within it. And Robin, you and I have talked about that on the podcast a few times um, as things have kept changing throughout the course of the last seven months. 
we've been, I mean, Stephen, since you've come on um, last April, since then we've been through uh, lockdown where the, and then we've been through phase one, two, and three of reopening. We've now come into a second wave um, where the economy is starting to really falter again. And now we're, as you mentioned, we're getting into flu season. We're, we've gone through the whole, we've, as, a, as communities and province and country, we've navigated uh, reopening schools. There's been a lot, and um, there's there's so many different things that have come along as part of that that have really made me think about how we do church, how we do community, and just really made me think philosophically about about life. Um, I think everyone's kind of been con confronting their own mortality as part of this. When you're talking about the deaths of thousands of people around the world, you, how how can people not right? Um, but Robin, something that you said earlier got me thinking about a question to, to pose to both of you. And that was that as you were talking about uh, the yard sale that we were having and how, uh, you, you know, you were, we were unsure if people would kind of comply with the restrictions and the sort of the rules that we needed to have in place. Um, and people did. People were very cooperative, I think might have been the word you used. Or compliant, maybe yeah. was, it, was the word you used. I'm going and, with cooperative. Let's, yeah, I like cooperative. Let's go with better, cooperative. But, mm -hmm. but really, it was we needed them to comply. Like, it wasn't just, these weren't suggestions. It, we had to do things a certain way. And now with reopening church, uh, and Simons Valley will be facing this in January as well, as people come back into the building, it's not optional. We, we had a, a, a musical theater rehearsal at the church yesterday, yeah, last, last night. And it was mandatory. You had to wear, everyone had to be wearing masks. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, the danger is that if, if we're not, uh, if, if we don't have compliance, if we don't have everyone, uh, on board, then what we risk is that we might not be able to continue doing what we're doing because there's, there's a lot at stake. Right. And so there's this urgency or this need to kind of control how things are going to go. And I guess my question is, it's interesting to think about, the history of the church and how you know Jesus really was not about control he was really about freedom and and power with people versus power over the people but we're in this awkward situation where we have to exercise a little bit of control uh even if it's not the Christ-like image that we would want to portray in the community in order to keep everyone safe and to be able to get back to doing what we want to, what we're about to build community. So there's some, there's sort of some irony there and yeah. it's a delicate thing to, to play with, but I think it, it makes, it's an opportunity to really think about um, how we handle that need for control and who we want to be as the church, who we want to be as communities. Um, oh, Ben. You're so cute. You're so cute that you think the history of the church is in any way related to the way Jesus behaved. Um, seriously, I mean, the, the church has a history of controlling people and making them compliant. Um, well, and, I, I know. And, but my, at the same time, yeah, at the same time, uh, that isn't that isn't but, Jesus, right? Exactly. That's my point. Is it's, yeah. we, it's not what we claim to be about. We claim to be about the opposite, and yet yeah. there is that history. There is uh, all of that um, baggage that we carry as churches, and we're trying to sort of reconcile and heal all of that. 
And we're also about loving one another and caring for one another. And, and that very much speaks to the importance of wearing yeah. a mask. Uh, we, I mean, in central Alberta and Bashan and Pinoka, my, or, and Pinoka and Camrose, my, my parents live in Camrose, so I've got to experience this a little bit. You've, you've had the blessing and the curse of, of low numbers as far as mm-hmm. cases. Mm-hmm. And so in Calgary, because we were, you know, epicenter number one, we uh, early on had the city of Calgary mandate masks. And so if you're in a public space, you're wearing a mask. It's not optional. It's not negotiable and so that actually has it is yeah and so that's helped us as a church because we don't even have to have that conversation it just is um Mm -hmm. so i i can appreciate that it it might be a challenge um if you've not had that conversation you know as a region or a municipality or um, it, it could be tough Mm-hmm. Well, and now we are starting to see some, I think Camrose County is still very low, like one or either zero or one or two cases maybe in the whole county and town of Camrose, but Pinoka now has 38 cases. So that's, and that's a very sudden, like recent um, increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basha, I think is still either zero or like we're not really even on the map. Um, and we're a town of less than 900 people. So it's, if we got even two cases, all of a sudden that would be like Calgary having, you know, thousands. <laughs> For sure, yeah. But um, yeah, it, you're right. There is there is a, a definite distinction between um, r- the rural experience and the urban experience, and I think there's a bit of a difference in the views that you see people tend to have. Like, there's you're more likely for people to be um in in smaller communities oh this is nothing this is silliness this is uh and and so i don't know i find it difficult i want to respect um those people's views and i want to hug my friends when i see them and i want to get together with family just as badly as everyone else does and i want to get everyone back in church and i want to be able to sing hymns and participate in the prayers and um and not worry about if my kids are running around or are they going to touch something or get too close to someone and make someone else feel uncomfortable or contract something. And you, like, there's, yeah, it, there's so much to think about and it's really tricky. But um, what, so Stephen, what do you, what do you, what does it make you think about this idea of needing to control people in a sense in order to go about church, which is not about controlling people? that kind of dichotomy (laughs) i like that you mentioned that and brought up masks because you're right that it is a great example of it's a loving act right and it's how you frame it it, but it is it is done as a loving act to protect people and we've we've definitely you know in all our language in communicating that we're putting it out that we do this not only because it's the bylaw and we're supposed to do it in calgary but but we want to be careful around the people in our communities, whether that's the church community or our neighborhoods who are most vulnerable. Um, my, and Vicki feels the same way, but how we're, we measure success in this pandemic is if we can get through the entire thing without having a case in our church, mm. um, because of our church, not because of you know outside transmission or anything, but we don't want to have to give that awkward interview to the news media on why there's an outbreak in our community. Yeah. Right. And especially if it was because you decided to 
you know, allow people to sit closer together or to sing or to... Or said, you know, or, we, we had an outbreak. Um, we've had a couple of outbreaks in churches in Calgary, one of which the most recent had was in an Ethiopian Orthodox church. And there was 140 people at the event and 121 or something tested positive And they had some deaths out of that as well. And it's because they were sharing food and they just chose to ignore that. And unfortunately that happened. And so who wants to have that happen? Yeah. Like why take unnecessary risks when we don't have to? Um, which is kind of our approach to, you know, in our context in Calgary, delaying our opening a little longer. Yeah. Um, just because currently everybody's on live stream and, you know, we have a lot of people that kind of are tuning into that from our community. So we're not having a, a, an issue there. Um, and so why, why rush? Yeah. So here's a question for both of you. How do you respond then to that uh, opposing view to the people who are part of our communities who think this is all ridiculous? Maybe they're not all the way to the far extreme where they think it's a conspiracy, but maybe they just think that it's the government is massively overreacting, that we need to just carry on as business as usual so that uh, we can all gain herd immunity and not um, put the economy in so much jeopardy and that wearing masks and all of this is just an oppression of our rights and freedoms. Like, How do you handle people that you love and respect who see it so differently than the way you as ministers and leaders are handling that? Robin, what do you, what do you think? Oh, sure. Ask me first. So glad um, you went to Robin. <laughs> <that one first. laughs> well, you know, okay. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I just don't, uh, I, I don't think that, um, well, I, 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 the best, I, the best we can do is say, you know what, this is about caring for your neighbor. Um, this is about caring for, uh, the people around you. This is about all of those things that we talk about in church on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, this is about all of those things. And, and you know what, if it turns out that it is a conspiracy and, and it's all fake and, you know, all of those people who've died fake their deaths, mm. um, if that turns out to be true, what's the worst that's happened? You had to wear a mask. Yeah. We, we didn't get to see your gorgeous face for, you know, a few months. Uh, how is that a bad thing? Um, I, I just, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think we, we emphasize the, it's about caring for others part. Um, and, uh, I, I am happy to personally, uh, challenge people who, um, who think it's anything more than caring for your neighbor, that it's a conspiracy or it's government overreach or, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I just, I, I don't see the point in arguing about it. Um, if you think it's a problem, you should maybe not be where I'm at, uh, or like, don't come to the church. <laughs> I mean, what, what else are we going to say? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's, it's not about, uh, it's not about, uh, telling someone they're, they're, you know, it's not about defeating their opinion or, or proving them wrong or anything like that. Um, I mean, Trump's done that for us, right? 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah, there's nothing to worry about. And then suddenly he has it. <laughs> yeah. So I think since with that glorious example, yeah. um, uh, you know, we, we're able to just kind of say, look, it's, you know, it is what it is. And um, because we are trying to care for people, this is how we're handling it. And if you find that that's a problem for you, then perhaps, um, you know, this is not a time for you to be engaging this part of the community, I guess. I don't know what else to say there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in in, uh, in Calgary, we had that early outbreak in United Church as well in March mm-hmm. um, and with deaths. And it was, I think that was very sobering for the United Church community in Calgary. It's like, yeah, we're, we're good, whatever you think. Because everybody, everybody, you know, in the United Church community here was affected by that outbreak because they knew people at that church mm-hmm. or they knew one of the people that passed away or so there was an immediate tangible connection to this disease in a really w- real way. And so there's, there's not been any, any United churches in Calgary that have been, you know, rushing to get back. I don't know how long that'll hold out for, but uh, we'll Oops. see so, so far. So that so good. Bring, you, you just brought up another thing uh, that I was going to ask you guys about, Stephen, and that is when the question of, well, when when will this all be over? And, and how, how does it end? And when does it end? And it's been, it's so interesting to look back now after seven months of a pandemic and you can see where, uh, so my wife Kelly and I were just talking earlier today about how how funny it was that, uh, in March, back in March, uh, Alberta was saying, you know, we're not sure if we're going to close down the schools like Ontario's doing, because this might all be, you know, blow over in a month. And we would hate to close down the school system and then not be able to get kids back in the classroom again to finish off their school year for June. Uh, if, if we're going to close down, it's going to be for many months, like possibly even all the way to September. And I remember hearing that and thinking like, what? what? That would be crazy. crazy. Like, September is so far away. Surely, no matter what this is and how bad it is and how it, uh, you know, what we need to do to, to, to beat it, surely it's going to be all over by then. And I, what's funny for me is that I feel like even now, even now that we've seen that, okay, this is way more serious than we thought. It's infected millions and millions of people. There have been uh, a, a couple million deaths globally, I think, uh, something like that. And so we, we know that it's, it's not going away overnight, but yet we still kind of fall into that, uh, that trap of psychologically just wanting it to be true that within a few months it's going to magically somehow be gone and so uh i don't know what 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 you guys are thinking of uh in terms of timelines uh each church like we've been talking about has to sort of make their own plans of how they're going to gradually resume things the one of the things that i that i uh will often think about is how difficult this must be for churches who, that are not able to conduct or to carry on uh, virtually, that are not live streaming, you know, maybe some of your smaller smaller rural churches like Basha and Pinocchio, but um, churches our size that don't have the capabilities or the technology or the people and skills to be live streaming their services on YouTube or on Facebook, um, like we're doing and like you guys are doing in Calgary. And 
that's got to be so tough. We're coming up to seven months now. You guys are resuming in January. Other churches are talking about March. That's a year. That's a full year of hopefully still some revenue. Although a lot of fundraisers were probably canceled, if not all of them, we were able to do our our yard sale very carefully. But most of our all of our summertime fundraisers, other than that, were were canceled. Um, and so uh, you you do what you can, right? But it's uh, man, I it's just so difficult planning when there is so much unknown. It's humbling, and I find that it also again brings in the question of or the the reminder that you know what we're not in control we are we cannot predict the future we can try to plan for what may be coming we can look at science and we can look at our leaders in the scientific and political community for better or worse and (laughs) and look at what is mandated by municipal bylaws by provincial legislation and alberta health service guidelines we can look to the united church of canada and their leadership we can look at what other uh, other church communities are doing, but uh, we are so not in control of this, really. Mm-hmm. It's early days, too, honestly. If I was looking at a timeline, and I think that was the question what the timeline would be. So we're seven months in now, essentially. Let's yeah. call it seven months. Uh, tomorrow, two days. Or today, yeah, it's the 15th today. Seven That's months. Right. There yeah. you go. Um, and so we're a ways off from a a vaccine we don't know if that vaccine will be preventative or um, part of a a treatment like a flu vaccine which will be seasonal but even once there's a vaccine we're still another six to eight to ten months past that until that can be widely dispersed and so we're a minimum of another year uh, with life like it is right now in in various waves and forms of, of outbreak that's very cheery, isn't it? <laughs> it that's a sobering good, good news, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's like that uh hearing that in the news that like I remember back in March thinking like schools might be closed to September and that felt like an eternity away. And to, so to hear you say, you know, we were looking at at least a year. It's like it's very difficult to like it's not very often that we think in those time types of time scales of what's you know, let's plan for something that's a year away or more. I think a year is optimistic as well. It might not sound optimistic, but I, if, if I was doing the math on the vaccine release, I mean, it's probably more like 18 months till distribution occurs in a wide enough manner to make a difference. Mm. It's funny how we're, uh, we, uh, we do that, don't we? Um, it, we, we spend all of, well, we spend our time going either, you know, famously now, make America great again, right? That that idea that let's make things great again. Remember when the good old days, remember when it was like this. And and you you hear people say that and and I always just in my head I'm going, when was that exactly? When was that? Yeah. You mean when it's... women couldn't vote, when there were slaves, you know, when when there were civil unrest, when there was this yeah. happened, when there's a war going on? When exactly was that? Yeah. It's like but Israel then, in the desert, right? When they're saying, well, Oh, it was so much better in Egypt where we sat around pots and yeah, so I was gonna to say, there, there's so many biblical connections yeah. to, to this thinking, right? But the other piece is, and again, we, we definitely got a biblical example for this too. Uh, is the other way is that we go, when will this be over? Yeah. Oh, we look forward to the day that this will be over. 
when will this be? And it's, I just, just reminds me of, you know, all the people after, after Jesus who kind of went, hey, he said he'd be back. When's that going to be? Like next Tuesday? Um, mm. it, it'll be in our lifetime though, right? Right? It'll be, and then they start to realize that it doesn't. And then suddenly the stories start to change a little bit and it becomes a little bit more like, well, sometime, you know, we don't know when, but sometime. And, and that just makes people more uncomfortable. Um, but, but the whole thing, the whole thing about those stories about Jesus is, is making the world better in the moment. Yeah. Right. Not about what's going to happen next or what happened before. It's about making it better right now. And, and, and I think that um, there's, there's three ways that people, I, I know I've mentioned this before, at least I, I might've even talked about this on our podcast before, Ben. Um, but there's, there's three ways we deal with this. One is uh, as churches anyway, uh, we go, um, let's just hunker down, we'll close and it'll be over. And then we won't do anything till it's, cause this will be over soon. It'll be over and then we'll get back to normal. Yeah. Or we go, Mm, don't know how this is going to go, but let's say, let's optimistically go, you know, we'll stay close till January or February or, you know, whenever we need to. Um, but in the meantime, let's try some other things. Let's, let's try online services or um, use Zoom to have small group meetings or do Bible study or, or maybe we can send out kits to people that they can do stuff or, or like family, little booklets where families can do stuff together and stuff like that. And then there's, well, we don't know how long this is going to go on, and we don't know how this is going to go. So uh, for now, let's try having people back in the building. And if, if we have to close again, then I guess we'll adapt as we go. But at the same time, let's keep the online stuff going. And, and we'll just kind of um, try and address things as we go. Um, and, and all of those, the thing is, all of those ways of approaching this are valid. Um, the first one scares me. Um, but that, that people would actually like hunker down in a bunker as if, you know, the apocalypse was happening and just wait for it to be over. Right. Um, but, but the other two are equally valid as, and, and I think they are, what makes them valid is, uh, whether you choose to stay out or whether you choose to go back in, um, you're trying to, you're trying to live in, uh, the way things are in the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and you're trying to do your best to, not simply sit and wait for it to be over so you can go back to doing the way, things the way you were, but you're actually trying to adapt what you do um, to address the moment that you're in, yeah. Yeah. right? And, and when that's happening, uh, great stuff is happening, right? People are being super creative, not only how they communicate, but what they're communicating. People start to look at things differently and think about things differently. Uh, I was just thinking uh, yesterday after I posted... Uh, after I posted um, something on our Facebook page that had to do with uh, how politics is about living out to love your neighbor, um, my my midweek reflection was actually also a little bit on the political side, and frankly, so is this Sunday sermon. Um, this won't get posted before Sunday, eh, Ben. I don't want people not listening. Um, but but I you know I think it also because of the circumstance we're in, uh, I think people are preaching more. Um, uh, outside their comfort zone too. I think they're actually, people are actually uh, addressing issues and going places that they might not have if they were looking at a room full of people, mm. you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, you know, we, we were too scared to before, cause you know, there's people here. 
Um, I just think that because we're having to think so much outside of everything, uh, people are starting to look at like they're starting to look at stories differently and and understand them a little bit differently and maybe connect them to things that we didn't connect them to before. And we're starting to say and question uh, and explore things that we hadn't before, too. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree, Robin. Um, and though I'm not thankful for the, the pandemic, I mean, it's a serious, messy business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have been adversely affected by sickness um, and death and unemployment. I am very thankful for the creativity that has come from the pandemic. I mean, it's, and we talked about this before, it's, it's allowed us to kind of hone the way we do live stream. And I, I believe in our case, uh, given us a much better product for people to watch, actually watchable. And our pastoral care team at church has never been stronger. And it's added a whole layer of intentionality with everything that we do that that I hope stays with us because it's so important. We're, we're reaching out, we're connecting with people in, in ways that we didn't before because we, we took a lot for granted, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Our ability to communicate in a certain way we took for granted, our ability to see people, uh, what we were preaching, and the messages that we were putting together. And there's been a lot of good things that have come from this. I love that you're able to focus on those positives, Stephen. And I know we try to do the same in uh, in our communities and in our um, social media, in our outreach, in our online community building, is to encourage people uh, with some of those stories of hope and positivity. Um, one thing I was going to say before about this this notion that you know surely by some arbitrary amount of time from now, it'll magically be, everything will be magically back to normal. I agree. Such a good example of that is how uh, throughout the whole summer as, as one bad thing after the next would be in the, in the, the news headlines, you'd see a lot of on social media. I've had it with 2020, you know, <laughs> like I, I can't wait for 2020 to be over as though December 31st things are going to be like okay you know all yeah. of this is over and it, we can just go back to life as as usual because all of the plagues of 2020 have been completed <laughs> um, and forgetting that you know only yeah. exactly a century ago with the Spanish influenza that lasted a couple of years right and so like like you pointed out Stephen um, to be realistic about it we're looking at a long haul and then, so it isn't just about these short little interim solutions, it's, it's, it's going to be permanent changes to, um, to how we live and how we organize and how we practice our faith and uh, how we do school and healthcare and everything else. Yeah. So um, it is so important to hold on to uh, those silver linings and those blessings that come along with the tragedy and the challenges. Yeah. And we're going to rethink things like how we care for seniors. Uh, mm. and and, and mm -hmm. put you know new rules in place to make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen again and there's a lot of mm -hmm. good that comes out of a very negative situation we we hope right we hope, yeah. i mean that's that's going to be the the thing is that uh, a lot of this stuff uh, a lot of the things that we've just been talking about are the very things that will carry us through um as opposed to the sitting patiently and waiting for it to be over um those are the things that will carry us through but but there will be a point at which we're going to have to really um, uh, remind people 
um, that that these changes need to be made, right? Because once it's you know once it's over, oh, we don't need to worry about that now because it's over. Well, no, we do need to worry about it, and we do need to make those changes. Um, not not just because we had this experience, but we have learned how to do better right that's the the constant in in this is that we learn how to do better it's not just a question of addressing some a problem as it arises it's how and especially with with seniors it's how we can do that better mm -hmm. and yeah there, there's an encouragement in that and yeah hopefully that can fuel um positive yeah. transformation and it's uh, it sadly did not take some people very long at all to forget the first few weeks of the pandemic when we we praised essential workers and who those essential workers were right yeah. that it wasn't just frontline workers weren't just nurses doctors police and firefighters they were the people who clean the hospitals and and do and like like grocery store workers and people who drive trucks and we started to realize and we all went wow we this is such an important realization and here we are seven months later and lots of people have actually forgotten that important realization and we need to remind them right mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that it takes bad things happening and like you pointed out Stephen, sometimes it's not enough even for bad things to happen it has to be bad things that happen to people i know or that i'm yeah. close to or in my yeah. community so mm -hmm. like yeah. you mentioned uh having some fatalities some deaths uh within united churches in calgary like uh, you know, if only that were enough to be a wake-up call for everyone, or or at least all people in all United Church communities across Canada, not just Calgary, right? But there is yeah. something about uh, being insulated from something by a couple degrees of separation of like, oh, well, yeah, that's sad, read about it in the news, don't really know anybody, didn't impact me directly. Uh, it's, I guess, part of the nature of us as human beings. And <laughs> I, I love uh, conversations like this where we can discuss those quirky, weird things about us as human, human and spiritual beings, right? Where um, that's just part of our nature. It's part of the way God's made us. And we have to uh, you know, do the best we can with, with how we're built and how we're wired and those psychological uh, things about us that that make us want to be selfish or want to be distanced from the the bad things and scary things that are going on in the world but uh, I think talking about it and having these kind of conversations for me is inspiring and it's a great reminder to lean in and explore some of those big questions those big topics that are especially right now in the midst of all this really impacting all of us so thank thank you, Stephen, for uh, for reaching out and inviting us to 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 cue this up and to come back on the show. Thank well, you. Thanks Colin, for being here. It's good to see you again. both. Yeah, you yeah. too. Yeah. This was really fun. We'll have to it do it again good. soon. Awesome. Perfect. And thanks, thank, Ben. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you everybody who's listening for tuning in to the show once again. Um, you can find uh, links to past episodes of Six Ways from Sunday podcast on our website, which is risingspiritministry.com, uh, where you'll also find links to Robin's weekly blog, our archived uh, sermon videos uh, from previous uh, Sunday services in Basha and Pinoka, where we continue to live stream from 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time on Sundays. Um, and uh, until next time, take care and be well. <laughs>